Fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Thunderous Thursday, literally. Thunderous Thursday. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you. See, you love it when it's 103 degrees, but then you get rain. I like the rain. <laughs> Except for it's just weird out here because I'm leaving my place today to come to the show, and it's pouring. I mean, it's like it looks like a river coming down the road. And then you hit a couple blocks down the road, and all of a sudden the sun's shining, and there's no rain or nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just sunshine. And let's don't forget the roads now. You know, coming here on the freeway, and it's you, get, you see these puddles on there, and it's like a lot of people don't know how to drive when it rains. And, yeah, it's... I never understood living on the West Coast majority of my life that we get rain in the summertime. Usually it hasn't happened, whether it's here or California. But when I moved to the Midwest, that was a reoccurring thing. And I remember for the first couple of years, I would say, you know, when I was like coaching, you know, softball and baseball, that, uh, what, what, what is this? Rain in the summertime. This makes no sense. Another rain delay or, you know, game's going to get postponed, you know, uh, Thunderstorm warning in the middle of July and August. And these guys would look at me like I had three heads. They'd go, well, that's the way it is around here. Well, yeah, it took it, me forever to get used to it. And now I'm getting used to it again here on the West Coast, which is very rare. Well, and, and the strange thing, too, is, see, now I came from the exact opposite end of it. Right. I'm born in the Midwest. I'm born in the Chicagoland area. So you when like I these first, days, then. Well, no, when I first came out here... And I hear that there's a quarter of an inch, of, a quarter of an inch of rain, and there's flash floods all over. I'm like, it's a quarter of an inch. That that's just a little dusting. That ain't nothing. How can people? What do you mean somebody drowned in the Charleston overpass or something? I mean, which was a tragedy, but there was all those problems back then because they didn't have the drainage systems and that. And I'm freaking out, going, how can this be happening? You know? And hey, the farmers need three or four inches of rain, and out here it's like less than a half an inch is is causing flash floods and people's cars being taken down the roads and and then all these gullies and everything so so it was definitely a different scenario there but uh yeah i guess it's all from where you grew up and what your sure. perspective is in that but but yeah i mean in the summer i always thought it's like yeah and the, the difference is too in illinois wisconsin those places when it's about to rain you can feel it in the air you can smell it in the air you know it's coming out here every time it feels like rain the majority of the times it actually doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's fooled me, and I, I don't think the rain has lasted, you know, today as long as it is right in this little sound clip that. Oh, it's it up by my yeah, place. Yeah, this long. No, it, no, it, it was lasting a while at my place, and it was coming down hard, <laughs> and, and that's just right up on Fort Apache and Sahara. It's just right up the road okay, from here. I, I'm looking over the sky now. You, you can turn down the rain now. You can turn off the rain. Goodbye, Rain. See you later. Oh, see, there it is. That's all you do. 
play requests here. It's so going to be go. raining throughout the uh, different parts. That's the other thing that's weird in this valley, because like I say, the sun's completely shining in one place, and then you hear there's flash floods and others in that. It's uh, you know, it's like there, there's pockets of rain, right? And a lot of those cool little quick flash lightning storms mm-hmm. that, like you do say, they do go across in just a couple minutes. I remember being at uh, Santa Anita one time for a race, and uh, waiting for the seventh race, I think it was, and I got this horse, and all of a sudden this downpour just as they come out of the gate oh. and i mean it's like the, the race is scratch com- the, 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 <laughs> the race is completely and then as soon as the race is over the rain stopped too I mean, it was like it came just for it was like a charlie brown episode right. or something where it rained just on that one race it came down hard and then it was over and done with and, and your horse wasn't a mudder uh i don't I, I was think- his mother a mudder yeah I, I i don't think i don't believe i cashed in on that one but uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the seventh race. Who who remembers that <laughs> exact race? You remember the, if you're gonna remember that, you gotta remember the horse. Well, I I just remember literally standing out there, and all of a sudden these clouds yeah. came in, and and everybody that went seems up weird to the for Santa in, Anita too. Uh, everything went into the up doors, and the wind was blowing so hard that there was a chair that actually went over the rail and onto the track, but it was after the horses had passed. <laughs> I mean, it was just a total downpour, and then it was over. It was like the most exciting two minutes in rain. Kind of like your ticket, too. It was over. Yeah, I, I believe it was. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that part because I'd, I'd, I'd seen a lot of quick quick downpours like that, but never to that intensity and that literally just hitting as the starting gate went off. What's the under over how many EAS tests we're going to get during the show today? Uh, seven. Seven? I'm taking under. Maybe I was going to lay, lay it at two and a half, maybe three and a half. Well, there, yeah. there's been over four that came over just in the last hour, and yeah. we're on for two. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, great. <laughs> All right. Hey, don't, so if you get interrupted today and you're listening, listening right now live locally, you go to the podcast, we clean that stuff up so you won't hear any of the EAS tests. There you go. That's if Numchuck cleans it up, which he usually does. He attempts. He tries hard. There it is. He efforts it. Are, are you wearing the RVD? Shirt today, the RVD whole damn show T-shirt. There it is. I don't think he gave that to you. So it's probably another one of those little rip-off ones that he bought for ten bucks somewhere or five bucks somewhere. Shake his head, no. Yeah, no. I don't know. This guy. You know, it's difficult to do a radio show with three people and have Harpo Marks be one of them. It doesn't really go across the same. <laughs> have you ever heard him talk? You, know, you 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 understand why we don't let him talk. Well, I've heard Numchuck talk, yeah. That's I've never heard Harpo Marx talk. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> All right, today on the show, BJ Armstrong is going to join us. BJ wanted to join yesterday. I was punishing him yesterday because remember what he said when he was on on Tuesday? Game seven, game seven. BJ, no game seven. So you're punished. So we'll have you on today to not preview game seven. And talk about the parade. Because I tried to tell him the Bucks were going to win this thing, and he thought the Phoenix Suns were going to win. And he there was, was going to be a game seven. He was on the fence a little bit in that one. Well, he, he you heard him say it, though. It was yeah. going to be a game he seven. He did say a game seven, but then he also said, why Milwaukee would win at home? And then, I mean, it was, it was a little bit more BJ the politician the last time on a little bit. So. Or was it more BJ the flying fish? Because you're right, he was flopping all over the place. Yeah. 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 Better than BJ the bear. That was like a trucker show or something, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? BJ and the Bear. The yeah. Bear was a monkey, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood that about the Bear was a monkey. Why yeah. wasn't it just BJ and the monkey? I don't know. I don't know. Ask Jay Schrader. He calls you the Bear. So maybe, I think that was that was a correlation. I think that was a reference. I don't know. Hey, our good friend Jay Schrader, breaking news here. 
I mean, I guess we could talk about it. I, got, I, I, I saw it posted publicly. He got married a few days ago. We weren't invited. I know. I don't think anybody was invited. I mean, I think it was a little, a little quickie or something. So next time we have him on the show, got to ask him, Jay, what's what's the deal here? I don't know. Yeah. Where did they no get invited? I don't know. I, I didn't pay that close attention. But I, I, wait, wait. It, it, it's good enough for breaking news on the show, but you didn't pay close attention to know where it was or who it is or anything else about it? I don't know if those details were disclosed. I really don't. Well, you're the one that saw the story. Where did you see it? Yeah. What did you actually read? Just that he didn't hitch, or was there any more It was a Facebook post that said, today, Jay Schrader got married. It was a Facebook post. And that was it? Yeah. It was just like one of those, you know how you update your... Uh, you know your your status. Your whatever. status, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was one of those things. And your shirt was today. It wasn't like a memory from six years ago. Or no, something or whatever. no. It was like last weekend, a few days ago. That's what it was. Yeah, Jay Schrader got married. So I got to send him a text. Say congratulations. Give us the. You are fake news. Yeah. yeah, we need the deets. Yeah, yeah, we do. I don't know. You call it fake news? I don't know. It caught me by surprise. It did. You know. Right. It caught me by surprise because I know Jay. I mean, great guy. Love the guy. But, you know, he's he, man of the ladies, too. Do you, you follow know? him on Twitter or anything? Or is he a Twitter follow? Is, yeah. Because it yeah. seems I mean, like the kind of Facebook thing friends and, and, and Twitter, that okay. sort of thing. Yeah. But it was from but, his account. Yeah. 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 I believe it was his. Or maybe it was the girl's. And then she tagged him because I got it. So I didn't know who the girl was. Now you're making me go look this up here. I mean, really? What? How am I making you look at it? You bring it up on the show. But you're asking me these news. questions. All you have to do is say, oh, really? Congratulations, Jay. But now you're, you're turned into well, no, on-the-spot television I reporter there. When you say that it's breaking news, okay, the news is that. And then what are the following details? All you have is you're just a headline reader. <laughs> it's not a news story. It's just a headline. Wow. Speaking of which, and this thing all coming full circle, what's the first post that I get here? Jay Schrader is at Bears Best Las Vegas. The Bears back. Well, there See? you go. See, I knew there, there was a reason why I was going with And what's Bears Best? Is that your that, spot? No, it's a golf course. Bears Best. See a bunch of guys in this picture. All right. Jay Schrader. There it is with Jackson Crisp. Any relation to Coco? Could be. I could, really don't know could him. Could be. I'm going back here. To He's see. one of Jay Schrader's friends, not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Married. Jay Schrader. It's on his, on his post. Okay. There it is. See? So the breaking news is not fake news. There it is. Congratulations, Jay and Gina Schrader. All right. Well, so now it's have, Jay oh, and Jay Schrader. It's, it's <laughs> Jay and G. Gina. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> What school did you go to? I didn't really hear what you said. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just, I just went with the flow. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, on the show, BJ Armstrong. So we'll uh, talk to BJ as we recap uh, the NBA Finals, put a nice little bow on that. We will get to talk with him about Team USA, the Olympic basketball. They will tip it off with their first game on Sunday. And in transit, not just yet, but tomorrow, uh, Giannis... Is, is, is going, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton. They'll be making the trip to Japan tomorrow. Couldn't do it today. You know why? Because they had the parade in Milwaukee today. Now, How many people showed up for that? Didn't get all the details. Uh, uh, our 
our cracked uh, producer here. All right. I'm sure. You know. I, I, I'm just going to quit asking you any more details yeah, yeah, today because yeah. it seems like I'm throwing you under the bus, no, and I'm really not, not meaning to do that. I'm not taking it that way. I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking it that way. But uh, again, I didn't know the parade was today, and I was hearing that there was going to be about 200,000 people that were supposed to be there today, downtown Milwaukee, doing all that. I didn't get a chance to see any highlights, and I had ESPN for a majority of the morning. I didn't see them go to it, but I know today was a parade day. And kudos for Milwaukee for trying to put this together, I guess, and they did do it, I guess, uh, putting together a parade in less than 48 hours, more like around 38 or 40 hours after they win the championship. Well, but don't you think there was some planning if, if they did wrap up Game 6? So it's really not that they put it together that quick. They, they should have had somebody working on this. But most parades, as you know, don't turn around that quick. We usually get maybe a three, maybe a four-day mat. You know, it's it's that. And I get it. You've got to clear things through the city. You've got to organize the routes. And how about the floats? Because there's always some floats. And you've got to doctor up these cars and, and, and buses and that sort of thing. So that would be a quick turnaround. But were you forward-thinking if you're Milwaukee? Okay. I mean, you did fall behind two games to none just like that. And then all of a sudden... You know, we had three in a row. Okay, let's yeah, let's let's start that parade route. Right, but you also Thursday. don't generally have to do a turnaround this quick, where some of the players are going to be flying off in two there days to the Olympics. That's what I was thinking. So, so you better have some yeah. forward thinking. That that's what I was. Now, thinking. if it would have been why. a game seven and they won in Phoenix, and then they had to fly back to the parade and then get over, that would have been a more difficult transition. But since they won there and they're already there. Mm-hmm. I would think that that would have helped out a little bit in the planning. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, as we know, sixty-five thousand fans were there to With celebrate. With twenty thousand in the state, so yeah. eighty-five thousand yeah. really there. So yeah. and, and those were legit numbers as well too. And again, we talked about it yesterday. There were uh, a couple of scenarios there that happened. There were some gunshots, but luckily no one was seriously uh, wounded. There were people uh, climbing up light poles. A couple of people jumping in the river there, and uh, but yeah, so. Uh, Yes, Giannis and company, uh, they were there today from the bus, had the parade. Uh, a little overcast day in Milwaukee today as well, too. Because so it rains the in the parade. summertime back in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's right. Now, what river is that? Uh, Do you know right offhand? Because I, I, I know in Chicago, it's the Chicago River. Well, I know the Fox the, River goes yeah, all the, the way through. Yeah, the Fox River goes all the way through yeah. there and through yeah, Illinois. So part because, of that, yeah, Because the restaurant I worked at in Algonquin actually is right on the Fox River. So. Mm-hmm. Correct, Amundo. Yeah. So, all right, so we'll talk to B.J. Armstrong. We'll talk to Matt Holt today as well, too. We're going to talk to Matt a little bit later on in this hour, so hang tight for that. Because news coming out today that Oklahoma and Texas want to go to the SEC. They want to bolt for the Big 12, and they want to join the big boys in the SEC. So this is a major story. It's one of these ones that I despise, I don't like. And again, it's the traditionalist in me. Uh, and I think that you know conferences should be all about tradition. It should be about proximity. Should be about rivalries. And still to this day, I am irked about some of these realignments. And I don't like Rutgers in Maryland in the Big Ten, Texas A and M in the SEC, and they bolted back in 2012 along with Missouri. Still can't get used to it. Still don't like it. And we've seen conferences destroyed. We've seen conferences obliterated demolished gone i mean you think about the old southwest conference the swc back in the day with arkansas and you know texas and in those schools smu i mean those were some great rivalries and they just disbanded that and they expanded the big 12 you know the from the big eight to the big 12 and now these conferences have more than 12 
the SEC has 14 teams. The Big Ten has what? 14 teams. The Pac-10 has 12 teams. Well, the Pac-12 is the Pac-12, right? But remember, for a while, they're the Pac-10. They're the Pac-8. So, yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a story we've got to monitor because now the schools uh, at, uh, uh, in the Big 12 are having basically an emergency meeting tonight after they got this news that Oklahoma and Texas want to bolt. They are going to have a meeting with all of their uh, you know, school representatives, whether the presidents, um, you know, athletic directors, and say, hey, uh, th- this news seems like uh, it's legit here. What are we going to do? And here we are, getting ready for the start of the football season. Yeah, and I'm curious to see, too, what the details of it are and you know, what's so enticing. I realize the SEC is enticing, but Texas seems like they're in a pretty good situation. They have the Longhorn. They have their own television network. They have everything going. It, it seems like they are the jewel of that conference that they bent over backwards to let them do everything, still have their individuality or something, kind of like with Notre Dame, you know, playing basketball in a Big East but not having the other sports and this, that, and the other. So I, I, I was a little bit surprised to see Texas with the pristine deal that they have be one of the two teams. I understand the draw of the SEC, but, boy, it seems like they got the sweetheart deal of sweetheart deals. Yeah, and Oklahoma does as well, too. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas, and Texas has the Longhorn Network. But both of these teams, uh, they're the only two teams in the Big 12 that have this situation where uh, this, this special TV deal, that if they leave, that they're still going to you know, have to give the Big 12 money. And so we're going to dive into all that with Matt from the U.S. Integrity, our sportsbook guy as well, too. But this is what Matt does now in his company with U.S. Integrity. He talks about the integrity of college sports. So great topic. We'll touch. Uh, That's a full-time him. job. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's touch upon this. Uh, some of the more breaking news here. Uh, Olympic Games protest. And uh, get ready. Unfortunately, I think you feel the same way I do, Frank. This is something that uh, I'm cringing. I'm cringing at, at watching the opening ceremonies without fans. I'm cringing watching all of these events without fans. But I'm cringing at, to see how many protests, especially from American athletes, that we are going to have when they win medals, specifically gold medals. Are we going to see you know, fist raised, back turned on the flag. Taking a knee. And taking a knee and all that stuff. Okay, so here's the latest. Uh, so Tommy Smith and John Carlos, as we remember from 1968, those uh, of us that are old enough, uh, and remember what an impact that had on a negative impact when they went with the power fist. And um, this was a, a big deal where they threatened to take away, you know, the Olympic Committee threatened to take away their their medals and further competition. And that was a turbulent time in 1968. And so Tommy Smith and John Carlos, kind of the forerunners of that. Speaking of which, Tommy Smith was at the WNBA All-Star game. He was there, got a chance to see him, you know, last week. So, uh, and he got a staying ovation as well. So I think a lot of people, you know, have, have changed their, their mindset, just like Muhammad Ali and even Mike Tyson, even though Tyson's not in this realm, but I'm talking about athletes that a lot of people kind of frowned on for some of their activity. Oh, for sure. And now have turned around and, and really applauded. And, and even the Tommy Smith-John Carlos thing, the forgotten story in that was the bronze medal winner from mm-hmm. Australia who actually supported them and kind of hung his head in support to let them have their moment. A lot of people don't know, it completely ruined his life and career and yes. everything in Australia. Yes. So Tommy Smith, John Carlos, and Gwen Berry, who is a current Olympian on Team USA, are among more than 150 athletes and educators and activists who have signed a letter 
this morning urging the IOC not to punish participants who demonstrate at the games. Now, they issued a five-page letter asking them not to sanction athletes for kneeling, raising a fist, or turning their back on, on their country's flag. What about the other competitors from the other countries? Say, for example, Gwen Berry wins a silver medal or a bronze medal. And let's just say someone from Sweden, we'll use that as an example, wins the gold medal. Is Gwen Berry going to sit there and, and, and turn her back on the Swedish national anthem? Or say, for example, you win the gold medal. And then you say you have Sweden and Lithuania you know, on the podium with you. They're probably happy as can be to earn a medal and to win that medal. And they're going to be putting their hand over their heart, even though the national anthem of the United States would be playing, but still they're looking at their flag. They're not looking at the red, white, and blue of the USA. Right. So when you look at this, how selfish is this? Now, if it's you, yourself, and that's it, okay, maybe one little thing here. But this is, this is, a, this is going to be a lot of controversy. It's going to have a lot of legs to this story. And one that, that I really don't care for at all, just for the reasons what I just said. Well, I don't care for it at all. I mean, I understand one of the things of this country is that you do have the freedom to do what you want to do. But if you're going over there to represent, and I know that a lot of people say that I'm not going over there to represent the United States. I'm going over there to try to voice myself and everything. But there are certain protocols that I think you should follow, you know. But it is their freedom, I guess, to do it. I wouldn't like to see it. I think there's going to be a lot of backlash. But like you mentioned as well, when you know Smith and Carlos did that years ago, at the time it was controversial, but to their neighborhoods and that and to their communities, they became heroes in a lot of ways. And now this many years later, they're still referenced. And you know they're more revered now than they were. When Muhammad Ali then Cassius Clay threw his gold medal into the river, you know there was a lot of talk about it. So... We don't know what goes on in other people's lives, and I don't like to tell them how to live it. I would like to see it done differently. I have a couple friends of mine that said that they were glad that the women's team lost that first soccer game because they took a knee. And I was like, okay, but, you know, both teams took a knee. Yeah, and people feel that way. I mean, they definitely feel that way. They're, they're affected. It's going to, you know, have you root against your own country, which, which is terrible. But I guess here's the thing. I, everyone has the right, you know, to do that. But then again... If you are participating in someone else's event, okay, this is the International Olympic Committee, okay? And if they have rules in place, you shouldn't challenge. And it is selfish, in my opinion, especially for this person saying this. I'm going to use my platform, whatever. That's selfish because it's not just you. You are sharing the podium with other people, and potentially you're sharing it with other countries who do not share your same viewpoint. So what you're trying to do, is to upstage them. And I'll say it again. This is the moment of many athletes' lives. The glorious moment they will ever, ever have. And then they will have to live with that. You hit the nail on the head when you said with Tommy Smith, the the person who won the bronze medal, they remember that for the rest of their life. So again, if you want a platform, then maybe you should do it on another, uh, another stage or another venue that doesn't affect anybody else. And here's part two of this. Yes, there are problems, and some people feel that it, it, it's not getting any better. But you know what? We have had all these, all these activists, and we've had you know, the president, we've had other groups and we've, uh, you know, in different cities throughout the country who are 
trying to make amends and trying to make things better. We've seen police officers get thrown in jail, uh, fired, reprimanded, that sort of thing, okay? So things are trying to get better. People in this country are actively trying to make it better. So when you do something like this now, it's not really a hot-button topic right now. To me, you are bringing it upon yourself, and it comes across selfish because it's not like People in the United States are saying, nah, you know, we, we, we disagree with, with, with all this action. Things are fine. Things are fine. This and that. No, they acknowledge it, and they're trying to make it better, and we see it on a daily basis. People are trying to make it better. No, they are trying to make it better, but I guess, and again, I, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here and argue with you, but I don't know what their viewpoints are. I don't know what goes on in their community and what they're thinking a lot, and a lot of them would say, well, okay, you tell us to do it on a different platform. We're never going to have this big a platform again is the argument they're going to use. Now, I will say, if it's not the gold medal, it's meaningless, because if it's not your national anthem, then it, is, then it does look like you're punking on somebody else's. But if an American wins the gold, and then that other woman that you said that already turned her back, if she medals in, it's still going to be the national anthem, even if she doesn't have the gold. So she could still turn her back on that. But I think you have to have your national anthem playing to make this relevant. But I think the argument that they're going to use is, this is the biggest platform and the best place we're ever going to have to make it worldwide. I don't like it. I'm completely against it. But I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to endorse it. The thing that I would like to see brought up, and I haven't heard anybody say this, and it just popped in my head when we're talking about this topic. I remember the Olympics that were boycotted. When they, said, yeah. when they said we're not going to Moscow because of things going on in Afghanistan and things like that, I believe it was at the time. Yep. I would like to get a reference point from some of those athletes that never got the opportunity to even compete and say, you know what? You guys have a platform and you're performing in the Olympics. We never got that chance. Yeah. We never got a chance to win a gold and endorse ourselves and become millionaires afterwards, whether we're a gymnast or a track and field star or whatever it was. What would those people give just to have the opportunity to stand up there, drape themselves in the flag, and listen to the national anthem? I don't know why no one's ever done a documentary to talk about the forgotten Olympians that never got the chance to compete. Because something tells me the majority of them would have a whole different perspective on this. I do have experience with that because in our Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, we, we've had a couple of Olympians at that point in time that did not get a chance to go and their thoughts were exactly that i did not have that opportunity and they were crushed by it not only were they crushed emotionally because of how hard they worked but they were crushed financially too because remember what happens when you win a gold medal or you win any medal or you win a variety of medals several medals you have endorsement deals Oh yeah, you're it, on you're on Wheaties, you're on cereal it, exactly. boxes, you're part everything. of a team, you're on right. posters, you're every back in the eighties, right. back in that right. time, everything was a poster on a kid's bedroom wall. Correct. And and so when you go through that, and even it could be the smallest of endorsements back in those days, that that meant a whole lot of money because these guys were not getting paid nothing, especially you know track and field athletes and swimmers and that sort of thing. It could be a local car dealer. You could have a car to drive around for Absolutely. a year or two. Yeah, that's a nice stipend so, back in those yeah. days. But going back, what you said about you don't know what you can do about it. Well, that's why the IOC has this rule in place. This is why they said that we are going to punish you uh, and, and reprimand you, take away your medals, or, or or do these things. So, and they have every right to do it. That's not against 
you know, someone say, hey, well, freedom of speech, I can do whatever I want. You, well, yeah, you can. But the organizers of the games have every right to do that. And people may not like that. But then again, that's a choice you have to make. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this for my plan. And again, be specific. Be specific on, on what you're actually protesting. Going back to Colin Kaepernick, we never knew exactly what he was protesting until well after the fact. And that's, and that's so. part of the problem. If you want to do a protest, let people know what it is that, you, that you're saying they're not against. And I want to point this out real quick, too. The Carlson Smith thing, it's not like that was premeditated. They didn't even know what they were doing. Correct. They didn't even have that. That's why if you look at the picture and you don't know, one's wearing the right-handed glove, one's wearing the left-handed. It was another USA Olympian that gave them the two gloves because they honestly didn't know what they were going to do till they walked up there. They didn't even have the, the cohesiveness to have it the same hand or something like that. So, you know, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing then. Now it seems like everybody's trying to pre-plan this stuff. Final thing on this, there were... 3,547 athletes that were surveyed, okay? And the biggest cross-section of athletes who answered these surveys were China, 14%. uh, United States was 7%, and Japan, 6%, okay? Especially in China here, overwhelmingly, all of the Chinese people that they surveyed oppose to any protest. So, again, and there's a lot of Americans that are opposing. To, they, they want to celebrate, and, they, and they, they want that moment. They, they honor their country. So this letter also takes a shot at this Olympic survey that was done of the 3,547 athletes uh, that were surveyed here. So, again, so this is why the IOC decided to keep this Rule 50 in place because of the feedback that they got from the survey and saying, okay, we're, we're going to keep everything in place because we see that this is not overwhelmingly people want to protest. So, you know, there's, believe it or not, there's some, some thought process that went into this before these games, you know, and the IOC listened, and then they, that's why they threw out a survey. And some people say, well, there's only 3,500. Well, you can only do so many, and those were the people that actually said, we'll take the survey as well, too. But go by the numbers. And again, it's a small fraction of people that want to protest. So what do you do? If you're the IOC, I understand this. You're going to say, hey, we're going to you know, keep our Rule 50 in place. You can protest, but just don't do it in the medal stand you know, before games, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. So, all right, Matthew Hill's going to join us. We'll touch maybe on, on this with him. We're going to touch upon him with the uh, Oklahoma and Texas situation as well. Plus, we'll talk about betting of the NBA Finals and the Olympic betting as well, too. Playing a cover here on this Thursday, T.C. Martin Ballpark, Frank. Get out there, get a blast There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. The parade! The parade! The parade in Milwaukee! Oh, yeah. What a glorious day in Milwaukee, huh? All right. We're going to... Does it make me evil if I kind of hope it rains on their parade? <laughs> well, look, some of the highlights we saw, I don't know if it rained or not, but it was definitely overcast there yeah. in Milwaukee. I mean, again, I have nothing against the Bucks, but I know there's a lot of that other team up there fans, too. In fact, probably all Will of them. Will you stop it? Stop it! Remember, I keep I always have to remind you, you're a media guy. You shouldn't have that fandomonium, I'm a human that being prejudice, too. that prejudice fandomonium come into play. It's not even the same sport. No, wait a second. If you don't like the Packers, what does it have to do with the Bucks? Wait a second. Or the Brewers? Wait, wait. Uh, Matt Holt is joining us. TC, how we doing, man? Matt, what's going on, buddy? 
Nothing to celebrate in this Bucks championship with everybody. You know, I, I was interesting. I was looking at the futures odds today, and very rarely do we see a team with a young superstar the likes of Giannis win a championship and then open the next year as the sixth betting favorite, double digits. You can get 12-1 to 1 on the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat. It doesn't seem like they're getting a lot of respect in next year's NBA futures market. And the thing about it is, Matt... Everyone is probably coming back for this team. Maybe not everyone, but a majority of their their key players are coming back. I mean, you, we know Giannis is going to be there. Sounds like Middleton's probably going to be back. You know, uh, I mean, th- that does make coming back. Yeah, doesn't really make sense, does it? Sixth? Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, and, and you're telling me that the Philadelphia 76ers seem like a, a better here? choice. Yeah, that's crazy. The Warriors, who were the nine seed, they're you know they're uh, significantly they're only seven to one, and the Bucks were twelve to one. They have twice as good a chance as winning the title as the Bucks. I found that one to be a little bit interesting. Yeah, not a lot of love for the Bucks' chances to come back and do it again. What was your thoughts, Matt, on uh, when you look at the betting numbers here for not just Game Six, but you know the entire series overall, really the whole playoffs. Well, it was a hard series to handicap, and it's easy. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, so it's easy for people to talk about it now. But we have to remember, coming into this series, we had no idea, really, what the status of Giannis's knee was going to be. You know, was he going to be able to play? They won those the last game of the, the series prior to that against Atlanta without Giannis. What would Giannis's statuses be? And then... Even if he was playing, would he be healthy? And Phoenix looked really good the first couple of games, and you thought, boy, if Giannis isn't, isn't really going to be healthy this series. And then all of a sudden they reel off four straight wins and win the title. So I thought it was a difficult series to bet, and the difficulty came from the fact that you didn't know if Giannis was going to be healthy. Now, after about game three or four, I think it was pretty apparent to everyone that Giannis was going to be full strength. And then at least you could start wagering on these two teams full strength on the matchups. But at least early on in this series, a very difficult series to handicap because of the you know the health status of Giannis. Matthew Holt joins us, U.S. Integrity. Matt, a big topic here. Uh, we're hearing a lot today. These you know college conference uh, alignments, and with Oklahoma and Texas, they reached out to the SEC requesting to join them and leave the Big Twelve. Uh, this is something that I'm not crazy about, but then again, you know, I'm one of those traditionalists. I believe that you know college sports should be all about you know rivalries, proximity, and it's still taking me a, a long time to get used to these you know teams that uh, have to travel 1,500 miles like Rutgers and Maryland to go play you know teams like Iowa and Wisconsin and the in the Big Ten and you know all of this stuff. It, it's crazy. And now uh, we thought it was bad before when you're talking about these two. Two national powerhouses in Texas and Oklahoma saying, hey, Big 12, uh, we're thinking about leaving, going to SEC. Uh, give me your immediate thoughts. Look, this has been in the works for a long time. If you remember several years back when that expansion first started, Rutgers in Maryland at Boston College and the ACC, of course that made no geographic sense either. Boston College and Syracuse leaving the Big East to join the ACC. The whole idea back then was let's build a four-conference, four 16-teams conference 
Super League, where basically you have 64 teams, you have four conference winners every year, and they play um, they play in a title game. You know, the four conference championship game winners would play in a little playoff. Nobody would ever complain because you got the winner of each conference in. And the only holdup, you know, five, whatever it was, four, five, six years ago to getting that done was Texas. The only reason the Big 12 even remained intact was the fact that Texas had such a sweetheart deal with the Longhorn Network, and the Big 12, I heard, offered them a higher share uh, to stay that they ended up staying, and, and that whole thing got foiled and slowed down. But now it looks like with NIL and everything else going on, TV rights, that the Power Five is ready to be the Power Four, whether we call it D1, the Power Four, whatever it is. You know, they never let, whether you went undefeated or not, whether it's Tulane, Hawaii, UCF, they never let any of these other schools that went undefeated participate for a championship anyway in college football. So if you're never going to be allowed to participate, what the heck's the point of being in the same division? It makes perfect sense to have four 16-team super conferences, and I think this would fill out the SEC. Obviously, you hate to see the SEC get Texas and Oklahoma while the rich get richer. Um, and I, I think it, if that ends up going through, we assume that the other three conferences will go ahead and try to fill out their 16 and, and within two years turn it into literally that's the whole league is those four conferences um, fighting for titles. It'll be interesting to see what the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC do in response because the Big Ten already has 14 teams. Um, there's going to be some big-name schools, I think, right now, whether it's Kansas or, or some schools like that that may be on the outside of this thing looking in because football is king. I'll be interested to see how the whole alignment ends up shaking out. So according to SEC bylaws, uh, they need three quarters of their universities have to sign off on accepting new members here, which would mean 11 of the 14 teams in the SEC would have to sign off on that. Do you see that happening? And what do you think the mindset is for the teams like you know Vanderbilt, Auburn, and, and, and Tennessee and some of these other ones? I think for all those schools, they're going to vote for it. I think they're going to think it's great. More money, more attention, more big media markets coming right here to the SEC, which means more money for everybody. The more money the conference gets, the more the the media rights are worth for that conference. Everybody gets a conference share. The best thing Vanderbilt can hope for, they're never going to be competitive in football, is that more money's flooding into the conference and they get to disperse that money and that they get to stay in the SEC. The fact that Vanderbilt football gets to stay in what is going to be the greatest football conference in the history of sports um, is a real testament, and I imagine they can't wait to vote yes. In some ways, it seems kind of logical to make it a power four instead of a power five because you have an even number of teams with four as opposed to five. But how does this um, go with the timing of it? If this is going on now and you're going to have basically that power four and you know the other conferences is gone or going to be decimated and teams are going to be running to see where else they can join, and the timing of it at the same time, now that we know that student-athletes are now about to be able to get paid for their likeness and other images and that, how does that affect it? Does it make it even more valuable for recruits and high school kids to be going to the one of these power four conferences, or will there still be enough room in the other conferences uh, you know, that kids can strike on their own. Well, 
I think obviously the rich are going to get richer a little bit, but it's going to make it easier for all of us to digest and understand college football and its championship. Why doesn't UCF get to get even get a chance to play for the title? It, it's annoying. It, it's tough to figure out. BYU last year, even if they would have been, you know, one uh, had not lost that one game, they weren't playing for the championship. We just need to have a clear and decisive path to a championship and what the divisions look like and have more interesting, exciting regular season games. That brings in the TV and the sports betting revenue. And I think the rest of the schools, because there's 130 right now in D1, so basically you have 64 and 64. You have a few independents, UMass, New Mexico State. They're probably going to have to go back to SCS. But the rest of the conferences can do the exact same thing, build another four team, and you call it whatever. One's the power four, one's the not-so-powerful four. And they can have their own championship too, but at least they'll all be able to compete for titles. The Boise States, the UCS, the Cincinnati's, they'll actually be participating for titles. And let's face it, with streaming, media now there is plenty of tv and streaming slots to go around for those guys which should also equate to plenty of opportunities for student athletes to make some money off their own brand and likeness right now other schools are going to have some issues with this and specifically texas a&m remember texas a&m along with missouri they left the big 12 in 2012 to join the sec Texas A&M got word of this, and they said, hey, we've got a major problem with this. And their president said, here's the quote, we want to be the only SEC program in the state of Texas. There's a reason why Texas A&M left the Big 12, to be a standalone, to have our own identity. Do they have a right to say that, Matt? Nope, and they're going to lose, and there's too much money involved for anyone in that conference. You brought up Vanderbilt, and everyone says, well, how does the last place team get? You know, they're going to make more money. They're going to be able to take that money, and it may not help them compete in football, but Vanderbilt's women's basketball, their men's basketball, their baseball team, which, by the way, was just in the right. – uh, you know, college World Series championships, those sports will continue to flourish because of the money they get from football. They can't wait for Oklahoma. They can't wait for Texas. Same thing for Tennessee. Same thing for a whole bunch of these schools. So how much of an obstacle is this? Because this, when I'm looking at this the whole situation here, television is, is kind of the key here. It's, it is the key. So Oklahoma and Texas signed a Big 12 grant of rights agreement in which they granted the first and the second tier media rights for football and men's basketball to the Big 12 Conference through 2025, meaning that the Big 12 would still own those schools' media rights for those sports, even if they're no longer members. So even if they they bolt and say, hey, we're going to SEC, uh, they're stuck, and they don't get that money. That money goes to the Big 12. So how much of that plays? Because why in the world, especially with the construction of their own network and everything, I mean, why would, uh, and we're talking about Texas there, but with both of these schools, that language is in their agreements and their contract, and we know that ESPN and Fox, uh, their contracts with the Big 12 go through 2025. How could you leave all of that money on the table, even though that means, hey, we're going to a bigger and shinier conference? Well, that money's not going to be left on the table, TC. They're going to renegotiate that deal. And at the end of the day, I have to assume the Big 12 just goes away at some point here in the next. If, if Oklahoma 
and Texas do leave now, then, and let's say that, you know, next season, obviously the schedules are already out for this season, next season they play an SEC schedule, my assumption is in the meantime, you know, the Big Ten probably gobbles up Kansas and, and Iowa State. Uh, you know, even though Kansas isn't very good at football, they they do have enough name recognition at basketball where it might be worth it for the Big Ten to take a shot on Kansas and Iowa State. Oklahoma State probably ends up in the Pac-12. TCU, I don't know. You may end up in the not-so-powerful four. Um, you know, same thing with Baylor. You know, Baylor just won a national championship in basketball. That may be appealing enough for the Pac-12 to take a shot on them. But they also, Waco is not exactly the biggest market. They may not end up in the, they may end up in the not so powerful four. But they'll just renegotiate those TV deals. They'll end up kicking the Big 12 conference guys some money um, in, in a buyout situation, and, and the rights will, and the money will all end up going to the SEC. One thing that we hear all the time is people want to expand the college football playoff. They want more teams in there, and they want, you know, some people like the Cinderella's, the Cincinnati's, some other team to get a chance to win. With this new arrangement, if this happens in the SEC and that, is it going to make it that much more difficult for anybody else to win outside of the Power Four conferences if that's what it ends up being? Again, Frank, they don't have any chances now. UCF and yeah, undefeated. Yeah, they beat Auburn that season. Hawaii. None of those teams even get the opportunity to play. So their chance right now of winning a national championship is zero. Not only do, when this Power Four things comes out, do you have four, a Power Four conference? You have to separate it now. It's no longer 128, or it's 130 officially again with the with the independents. You no longer have 130 teams competing for that championship. You take that power four, call it whatever you want to call it, the premier college football, whatever. They play for their own championship, and everybody else can still be D1 college football championship. So it's like you're a UFC champ or you're a Bellator champ, but USC is the king of it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And again... I don't think they would disband the Big 12, uh, Matt, but don't you think it goes by the way the way we saw like Conference USA kind of deteriorate over years, and now we're going to get, like say, Memphis gets slid into uh, Texas's spot and, and somebody else, you know, Texas El Paso or whatever it is, which becomes a watered-down Big 12. Well, the problem with the Big 12 is they already only had 10 teams. Right. You know, we make fun of like the Pac-12 where they have 14 or the Big 10, which has 14 but nobody has less. The Big 12 only has 10, and they and they were struggling to get to 10. This was a conference who a lot of people thought was going to disband years earlier, um, and then Texas blocked it because of the Longhorn Network. I, I'm not sure the Big 12 just doesn't go away. All right. Final thing for you, Matt. Uh, Mikey Williams, high school basketball player in San Diego, actually he's going to go to high school. He's going to change schools and go to North Carolina at a prep academy. He's entering his junior year, and he already has an NIL deal, name, image, and likeness deal, that could earn him millions of dollars. He's got a huge social media following. Could be the first high school athlete to generate this kind of money. Uh, so when the NIL you know, came into place here for colleges, I don't think anyone thought that, wait a minute, high school kids could earn this money, and you would think there would be some uh, some you know, laws or something into place here that would prohibit that. What is going to happen here now? Does this go all the way down to the high school level? We're going to see high school kids making millions? 
Here's the problem, TC. I'm not sure anybody actually ever really thought out NIL in its entirety, period. I mean, there was just this huge groundswell that could no longer be stopped of, oh, this big bad NCA and all these colleges are making all this money off these players' likenesses. They need to be able to make some money. You know, this is slave driving. Look what we're doing to these people. We're just completely taking advantage of these young students, despite the fact that it's, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars per year with scholarships and travel and equipment and clothing and everything that they get out of it. But there was no longer going to be able to be any way to stop that groundswell of support where these athletes need to get paid. So they came up with something that they thought kind of at least said, okay, here we did it, but nobody really thought it out well. And we always said that there's going to be some administrative issues with NIL, and some of them are starting to pop up before we even got into our first college sports season with NIL. So is that going to be the next step then, that people are going to be, uh, these kids on AAU teams and that in high school and everything, they're going to go, hey, I should be able to sell my likeness too. 100%. And basketball is going to be the one because early on, you know, these kids at 13, 14 are already, you know, people. They're identified. You're right. LeBron James was all over the world. I remember him coming out here and he had an entourage. He was walking around with Paul Pierce and nobody knew who Paul Pierce was. The thing about it is there's like 20 of those now. LeBron James was kind of a standalone. Now there's like 20 of those kids every year. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So are they going to be able to start making money in high school? Try to stop them. There it is. And like I said, there's there's no rule in place here. So it's crazy. All right, Matt, great stuff as usual, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get you back on uh, next week as well, and I want to start diving into a lot of these uh, football contests uh, as well here in Vegas. So I know that uh, you're in tune with that as well too, my friend. Right around the corner. Here we go. I mean, football is almost back. Look, it's raining. It's not 115 degrees today. <laughs> the world is changing, my friend. There yeah. you go. Take care, brother. All right. There he is, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. Yes, we'll continue to monitor this story, this Oklahoma-Texas scenario, joining the SEC uh, trying to become the biggest superpower conference in the history of college athletics. Just think, if you were still pitching today, you could have got an agent. Yeah, this is true, right? You know? <laughs> oh, man. What would that mean for Chris Basio? What would that mean for him? I don't know. You knew him better in high school than I did. <laughs> I, I beat mean, him. I beat him, man. I mean, once once it came out that he gave up a triple to U, it might have blown the endorsements. <laughs> B.J. Armstrong will join us on the other side of the hour. We talk NBA Finals and more on this thunderous Thunderstorm Thursday. Thursday.